This is Free Talk Live. It is the Wednesday edition of the show as we kick off our number one. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site, we give it away. So enjoy freetalklive.com. The toll-free number that allows you to take control of the airwaves and bring up what you want is 1-800-259-9231. In fact, it's the Packet 8 toll-free line, 800-259-9231. There for your convenience. You talk about what you want. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. And, of course, we're going to start out with a little bit of an election recap here tonight, uh, considering, well, last night was the election, and, of course, we're doing the show while they're counting all the votes. And I, I pointed out last night that, I didn't really want to do live election coverage because it's kind of silly to do that until all of the votes are counted and the official results are in. And at this point, I think we can I think we can reflect on what has transpired within the last 24 uh, within you know last 24 to 30 hours or so. And essentially, I don't know uh, where to start. I, I, maybe we should just start with the Libertarian Party because we're kind of a libertarian talk show, and so I think some people might be. Curious about where we stand on what has happened with the Libertarian Party. Has is, is either of you guys um, paid attention to the Libertarian results this year? Well, um, the Libertarian results I've seen haven't been particularly good. Wayne? Well, no, I haven't, but I'll tell you one thing. The Republicans lost because they abandoned any Libertarian principles that they, they supposedly es- espoused. Yeah, well, they had a good 10 years or so, or more, actually, to adhere to some principles, and they didn't. And so the American people swept them out. It looks like the I, I've heard now the Democrats have taken both the House and the Senate. Is that the case, or is in there sort of like a a tiebreaker going on somewhere? That's my understanding. I haven't yeah. looked into it um, altogether thoroughly. It's you know I, I look at issues. I don't look at politics so right. much. But yeah, my understanding is they've got the House and the Senate. Right. So they swept them out um, because the American people didn't know what else to do. I mean, they knew that the Republicans were bad. And they didn't know that there were any other choices out there, so they voted for Democrats. And so now we're now we're going to have a Democrat-controlled legislature. Yeah. Isn't I, that great? We we got to choose from one group of looters for another. You know, I've um, discovered today. I've been able to distinguish that I, in fact, am still a Republican at heart because even though this is what I wanted, I wanted 55% control in the House and 55% control in the Senate to go to the Democrats. That Why way they didn't have a supermajority? Okay. But they did have a majority so that it wouldn't be, um, you know, just Republicans everywhere and they wouldn't be able to run everything through like they have for the last six years. Wouldn't it have been better to have control of, say, the House go to the Democrats and leave control of the Senate to the Republicans? Wouldn't that have been a better gridlock situation? Eh, Maybe. I mean, this is for whatever reason what I decided I wanted. And it's very close with the Senate. I believe it's one vote. Because it's very unlikely that George Bush is going to use his veto. I mean, even though he can. Oh, no, can, he'll, he'll use the veto now. You think he will? The reason he hasn't is because he's had a Republican House and a Republican Senate. He's gotten what he's wanted. They're not going to be able to sweep away his uh, quote-unquote tax cuts or you know, you know change their policy for something that he doesn't want. Mm-hmm. They're not going to institute gay marriage, that's for sure, with uh, George Bush in charge. Well, but gridlock is good, and we may have some of that, so we may have a reprieve for another two years. Though. So, George Bush is also a lame duck at this point. I mean, he's not going to be able to run come 2008. So really, it it doesn't really matter what he does. I mean, at this and th- at this point, he's pretty much, if he's going to v- veto any legislation, it's going to be for the Republican Party more than it is going to be for him. He doesn't have to make himself look good at this point. He's he's not. He doesn't have to be concerned uh, with how he looks. For who the who next says he can't run? Well, there is a pesky amendment there. I think in the Constitution that'll. That'll prevent him from running. Oh, come on, Ian. What do you think's going to happen? Who knows? The way he's been disregarding uh, the law of the land, who knows? 
Well, it seems it seems unlikely to me that uh, if we have George Bush as president um, after January the twentieth of oh nine, I don't think he'll have run. I think he will in seized fact, power. Seized power. Now, would you, do you think that George Bush would get away with seizing power like that with a Democratic Senate and House? Would it be as easy for him as he, it would have been before? He could throw them all in jail. Yeah, he could, but that's still pretty. I mean, that's still a pretty outrageous move on his part. I guess only time will tell as far as uh, what will transpire. But we do know what transpired last night, and that is that the Libertarian Party has be uh, has been an abject failure yet again. Mm. I mean, there's no other way to. I mean, there's no way to gloss over this. There's no way to spin this. And I'm sure the Libertarian Party will do their best, you know, to spin it. Oh, look! Well, we won the we won the uh, state house seat at, or the Juneau Assembly seat in Alaska, and the. City Township or the Clay Township Board in Indiana and the Island Water Board in Louisiana. Yet another libertarian dog catcher. And our our candidate got 53% in the Soil and Water District Supervisor Board of North Carolina. And then the Soil and Water Conservation. I mean, we didn't get anything beyond. Okay, here's a couple county commissioners in Tennessee. So we got a couple county commissioners and a city council person. But otherwise, it's the usual soil and water board positions. And I think it's interesting to look at the Libertarian Party's um, key races this year. Because if you were paying attention before the election actually occurred, the Libertarian Party had a list of, you know, who's got it. You know, they had all of their candidates listed by who was most likely to have an effect in the election, who was most likely to to end up with some real serious vote totals, considering a variety of different factors. For instance, one of their key races this year was the Smither race. Yeah, he was Texas District 22, I believe the it was the same district from I, I guess Tom Delay's territory, the Republican, the, the principled stepped... Republican. You mean that guy? <laughs> He's I, what what happened to him? Did he step down or? He had um he was caught in that Abramoff scandal I believe um okay. you know bribes and and uh, money changing hand money with uh, Indian casinos or something like that right so he had left his uh, his seat wide open so there was no incumbent in this race which right off the bat that's a good sign you don't have an incumbent therefore somebody new's going to get in and now is it going to be the Democrat was it going to be Smither the Libertarian? or the write-in Republican candidate, because the Republicans botched something up. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but they didn't actually get a, a candidate through the qualification process to be on the ballot. So the Republicans had to run a write-in candidacy. The write-in candidate decimated the Libertarian. Mm. I mean, how is this possible? A write-in candidate, a hyphenated name. Sekula Gibbs was her name. You spell that. You spell that. Sekula Gibbs. That's even that's harder than Mickey Mouse. Oh my God. The, this guy Smither, and I'm sure he's a nice guy. This isn't a you know this isn't a shot against him, but he couldn't even beat the write-in. Six point one percent. It's that L I B behind their name. Yeah, that's true. It is listed as LIB in Texas, which can confuse people. People Absolutely. think that means liberal, and of course it doesn't. But then we go to Michael Badnarik, the 2004 Libertarian presidential candidate who had raised something like $400,000 for his district, again, another Texas U.S. Representative District 10. So he was just running a local race for U.S. House and 
had a significant amount of money that they were pouring in. They were. We had Mike on the show a few weeks ago, and he was touting their billboards and all of the outreach that they were doing, and it yeah. really sounded like an active campaign. I I, I took both of these uh, campaigns. I, I I really felt like Bednarik was going to win. I really did. Me too. You really did? I, I really didn't. did. Not for a moment. Yeah. I didn't believe it for a moment that libertarian, any libertarian candidate would run away with it. If, the, if there was a libertarian candidate that won this year, I would have been shocked. Shocked and pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But I don't get my hopes up anymore. I like that quote in, I believe it was Time Magazine, about how organizing libertarians is like herding cats. Yes. Yeah. That's from the Free State Project article that appeared in this, I think it's this week's Time Magazine, on your local newsstand shelves right now. But Michael Badnarik whose campaign was uh, much touted. It was advertised in the Libertarian Party newsletter, and uh, all kinds of libertarians from all across the country were contributing money to this, because this is Michael Badnarik. He's the former libertarian presidential candidate, and he is a great candidate. He's a great guy, too. Yeah, I mean, he's a hell of a guy, great candidate. It's just that it didn't work. He got 4.3% of the vote. He needs to move up here. He is a Free State Project member. And I know he's going to be appearing at the uh, Free State Project's Liberty Forum coming in February, so maybe some of us can uh, give him a gentle nudge or something like that and suggest that he get up here sooner rather than later. Because it's clear that uh, Texas is definitely a lost cause. When you look at the results of the other people, the other libertarians that ran for office in Texas, the ones that had no-name campaigns, the ones that maybe were just on the ballot and didn't even have a campaign at all, and they certainly didn't have the budget that Mr. Badnarik did. Mike only got 4.3%, but these other guys got 2 and 3%. So what all that money do? What was the point of it? Bought 3%. More's on the way. You take control of the airwaves. Your thoughts on the election. 800-259-9231. This is your show. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the Wednesday edition of the show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features you'll find are completely free, including the bulletin board system. Over 140,000 posts await you. You get it all for free, bbs.freetalklive.com. That's BBS. .freetalklive.com. Register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Come and hear a speech by John Stossel entitled Enemies of Liberty. The three-day event starting on February 23rd going through the 25th. Early bird discount is available right now, but only for a limited time. So get registered at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Of course, you can learn more, get the schedule, get all the information you need there. freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. As we continue with our post-election coverage here, pointing out how absolutely miserably the Libertarian Party has done. And, and, and by the way, I'd like to qualify all of this commentary. I'm a life member of the Libertarian Party. So it's not like I'm somebody out on the outside just trashing the third party here. Because if I was on the outside, I would just ignore the Libertarian Party. I would just That's pre- what's happening. Right. I would just pretend that they don't exist like the media typically does. Though... What's interesting is we focused on a couple different races from Texas where there was um, a good shot at possibly winning. There was a write-in Republican candidate, a Democrat, and a Libertarian on the ballot. Of course, the write-in person wasn't actually on the ballot, but yet the write-in person managed to handily defeat the Libertarian. The Democrat actually ended up winning, winning, but the the write-in guy got or lady got something like 45% of the vote. Yeah, and her name was like 
Swahili or something. Right. It was incredibly long and difficult to spell. Then you've got Michael Badnarik, the former libertarian presidential candidate who was running a, a hell of a race with the hundreds of thousands of dollars for, of contributions that came in nationwide. He didn't do mar- he did marginally better than the rest of the libertarians in the state that didn't even run a race. And he had the one of the greatest political ideas I've ever heard of. Yes, the, that contract that he drew up between he and the voters. That was brilliant, and yeah. I think we should use that more in the future. I agree. He had an essentially a, a written agreement that that basically outlined what he was going to do in office, and that is, of course, reduce the size of government as much as he could. But and, what did bring him? Five percent? Well, that didn't bring him five. It's hard. It's going to be hard to say what brought him the four percent. Yeah, like what? What could the thing is? Is Michael Badnark could have done nothing more. He has. A name, sort of, you know. I mean, amongst libertarians, it was a name that got him more contributions than probably anybody else's right. life I mean, cycle. He's the only thing he could have done is made movies in his youth. Um, I mean, yeah. that that would be the only thing that uh, more that he could have done. I mean, he had relative, you know, in, amongst the libertarians, he had a name. He put four hundred thousand dollars into his campaign, like ten, twenty times what his competitors did. Now he, he didn't. Now he there was money. Made a, a, a great, brilliant move with the contract. The what contract was good. There was money, and the contract was good, and he had a lot of attention within libertarian circles. But I don't remember hearing anything per se about how much attention he got from the local Texas media or anything like that. Which brings me to the other libertarian candidates. Remember we talked about? I think it was Bruce Guthrie, uh, Washington State or Oregon, one or the other. He put in a 1.2 million dollars of his own money he mortgaged his house apparently a fairly wealthy dude to begin with and he put in this huge chunk of change so he could be qualified to get into the televised debates this guy was running for governor of uh, the state of washington and i thought when i heard that news wow you know that's a that's a pretty big deal most libertarian candidates certainly don't pony up I mean, their own funds in this way. That yeah, that alone, him. yeah, that alone made his uh, his race. Oh, excuse me, U.S. Senate was what the race was. That alone made him an outstanding candidate. And of course, he got some attention as a result of that. He did make it into the televised debates. And what did it get him? One point three eight percent. And then there's a few other people. There's uh, Bill. Uh, let's see, Bill Pierce in Ohio, also less than two percent. He got some um, some television coverage. Remember the chicken episode, the guys in the chicken suits we talked about. Yeah. Less than two percent for him. I mean, there's just it's the same old crap, just a different year. Three plus decades now, this party has been around. How long is it going to take for this message to get a foothold in America to where we can crack the five percent barrier? I I don't know. I mean, it it just to me, this is the reason that I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party mm-hmm. um, is because it just doesn't seem winnable to me. I want to go with things that work. That's the that's the reason that I'm a member of the Republican Liberty Caucus is because they seem to get at least at the very least they've got a few members in the House um, and probably uh, not as many now. Um, I don't know. I don't think any of the, none of their people lost. I don't think any of their people were even um, an issue. Ron Paul, Jeff Flake, they're still there. Um, it seems like the, the the Republicans that really did indeed stand up to the administration uh, were saved, but the ones that didn't, that went along to get along, are the ones who got ousted from office. Yeah, but even even though that may be the case, Republicans in general suffered this election because around here, even in the local races, uh, the Democrats just dominated. And one of the guys who was uh, elected here locally was um he was just handily crushed i mean 64% to 30 something percent he just got destroyed and he had won- he was an incumbent 
So even though he had nothing to do with what was going on at the federal level, they punished him anyway just because he was a Republican, which is another bad part about being involved in the Republican and Democratic Party. You're sure. going to take the hits because of what these fools in Washington are doing. I mean, as even though they don't have – even though local candidates have no connection, per se, to the, uh, the federal government necessarily, beyond maybe accepting money from the feds, they still got punished. Anyway, so, um, so it's just dismal news all around the country, as usual, for libertarian candidates. However, there is a glimmer of light. And I believe Dennis on the amplifier line can probably tell us about that from New Hampshire. Dennis, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Howdy, folks. Hey. What are you all upset about? I think the election went pretty well. Yeah, well, you I mean... mean I, I can't say I'm glowing. A lot of people lost that would prefer to have won, but it, uh, I see a lot of good stuff happened. Well, now, wait a minute. When, I, when you say I'm upset, I'm not upset. I, I expected this to happen. I wasn't expecting oh. any sort of win. I'm just talking about how... I'm just, I'm just disappointed in uh, the fact that people continue to believe that this libertarian, the Libertarian Party is actually going to have an effect nationwide. And they don't ever... Um, nothing ever changes, Dennis. As oh, far as the national right libertarian party, I mean, maybe you know, maybe someday my children will get to elect a libertarian somewhere, but I don't care about the libertarian party anymore. I I don't. I care about getting liberty-loving people into office. Right, which is why I was saying that maybe you could tell us that the, you know, I mentioned that there was this glimmer of hope, and I was of course referring to the free stater that was actually elected to you state house. It. You got it. In fact, he's uh, he's gone ahead and and you know made it public knowledge. His name is Joel, and he did win. In fact, he won in a very highly union-dominated, Democrat-dominated district in the city of Manchester, mm-hmm. and he ran as a Democrat. And if you think about it, I mean, it was it was pretty easy for him. He was real upset about the real ID, mm-hmm. and a lot of us were. Uh, and uh, the mm-hmm. Republicans were really the ones pushing for real ID. So when he was running. He signed up to be a Democrat, and whenever he'd be at a Democrat function, he would say, yep, I hate what the Republicans did about Real ID. They'd slap him on the back say, you're one of us. They didn't ask him about things like taxes or the schools or owning guns or all the other things that he probably disagreed with them entirely on, hmm. and he won. You know what I like that about what's going on up here, and I'm going to you know, hang on if you would, Dennis, bring it back. I like that what's going on up here is that the – the free staters that have moved in here, and only a few of them have actually lived here long enough to qualify to run for state house and that sort of thing, but those who have have figured out that it doesn't matter what party they run on as long as that party has a chance at winning. So if he had run as a libertarian, he probably would have absolutely failed, but he didn't. He ran as a Democrat. More coming up. We'll explore. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us. On our website at freetalklive.com, all of the features you'll find are completely free. The Shrine of Female listeners included. The ladies, uh, many of them that, listen, that listen to the show, have sent us their validated photo, and you can take a look and see what I mean at shrine.freetalklive.com. It's not a beauty contest, ladies. Anybody who's a female qualifies to be on the Shrine. So head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. Have you listened to Common Sense with Dan Carlin yet? Dan advertises on Free Talk Live because he realizes we have an audience composed of people who aren't too happy with the two big parties. He's not either, and he sounds pretty mad about it sometimes. 
It's loud, fast, and smart. See what you think. Get the podcast from iTunes or go to dancarlin.com. That's dancarlin.com. So still re- uh, recapping and reflecting on the election results from last night. The Libertarian Party candidates turning out utterly dismal results, even those that were fairly well-funded and well-publicized, with most candidates barely cracking 2 or 3%, the ones with big, uh, deep pockets, some of them not even making 2%, one of them just getting above 4%. So really just another pathetic turnout when it comes to the Libertarian Party. But perhaps, as uh, Dennis is uh, suggesting here, from New Hampshire, perhaps the Libertarian Party isn't really the answer to liberty in our lifetime. And we're talking about a candidate here in New Hampshire, Dennis, that actually um, won a Free State Project member. In fact, I believe this is a fairly uh, historic moment because this guy, Joel Winters, is the very first Free State Project mo- um, early mover to be elected to the, uh, the House of Representatives in the state of New Hampshire. You got it. This is the next step in the revolution. Yeah, this is uh, this is huge news because when we first when the Free State Project was formed, there were some people that had signed up as members that were sort of already in the New Hampshire State House, as I understood it. But this this really counts because this guy was elected from scratch, basically, uh, to the New Hampshire State House. And interesting that he ran as a Democrat, even though he's a liberty-minded dude. Now I have not met this gentleman, but you sound like that you know him. I mean, is he pretty? Is he actually? He's not really a Democrat, right? No, he is as liberty. Well. Actually, I think if you asked him, he would probably say that he is, but that he's a uh, Jefferson Democrat, and he feels that the Democratic Party have completely lost their way for the last 150 years. Hmm. Uh, myself, I think he's, he's a libertarian. He's the most libertarian. He's, he's the most libertarian guy you're ever going to meet outside the Free Talk Live studio. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty. I think that's an interesting way to uh, to spin it because he is currently registered as a Democrat. So obviously you'd, he'd want to answer in the affirmative. And indeed, the Democrats used to be the Party of Liberty way back in the day. Indeed, I mean, when you were talking to Badnarik, I mean, he was backing away from some issues that I know that Joel would be all over. I mean, what can I tell you? If you put the two of them in the room together and say, "Find the Libertarian," it would be Joel. Mm. Wow. So I've, I've met Joel twice. Okay, and, and he's a great guy. Awesome. Great, awesome guy. So now, I was actually reading one of your posts at nhfree.com, Dennis, and I found it interesting because you're sort of more of a political dude. You pay more attention to the pol- uh, the political scene here in the state than I do. And you suggested that um, he not do anything for the first year. Why? Oh, yeah. It, it all depends. I mean, hey, he won. And you know what? When you, when you win, you get to choose what happens, and that's very cool. Uh, and I just, you know, I can't get over the fact that libertarians all over the country are dreaming about the day when they might get someone in their state house. And this guy moves in, and I tell you, one of the big things that people were poo-pooing, people here in New Hampshire were mm-hmm. poo-pooing this whole free state thing, was, well, they're not going to give you the time of day. You move into a city here, and you got to live there 20 years before anyone listens to you. This guy moved in, what, two and a half, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Now he's in government. Now, yeah, go figure. That's yeah. tremendous. You know, um, the, the whole thing I heard about, you know, small town New Hampshire, you, well, you're never, you're an outsider as far as they're concerned. They're, they'll never listen to you. That That's just nonsense. Well, now, um, wait a minute. Now, people I, don't know each other here in, in, in the city that we're in. That's and, not true, Mark. I mean, I, some do, some don't, but it, it, they don't know everybody. Well, now, hold on a second, because, Dennis, your wife was running for school board, and I saw a union leader article on her, or actually about all of the candidates for school board, and they absolutely took that shot at her. They said, well, she's only been here two years. What does she know? Oh, in fact, I mean, it was, it was great. She had a knockdown, 
bloody knuckle fight with, I mean, in the editorials, in the you know, in the letters to the editor, mm-hmm. with the uh, Concord uh, School t- Teachers Union, where the teachers union were saying that, uh, well, they just didn't appreciate her, and she was kind of firing back, hey, if the teachers union uh, is not endorsing me, I consider that to be an endorsement. Right. I don't want those people to endorse me. And, and that and I she appreciate lost by a, a very small margin. I so mean, she, she's only been here two years. Right. And, so maybe next time she'll um, oh, be able absolutely. to increase that. So, but the, the reason I brought that up was because they absolutely did pull out that uh, that attack. You know, oh, you haven't lived here long enough. That's what you're not qualified to talk to uh, talk about New Hampshire education. But, and so I was wondering. But, uh, but, but wait, that, that's that's not the point that I was trying to make, though. Yeah, maybe the union leader. Um, maybe that was reported in the union leader. Mm-hmm. How many people read it that voted? I don't. Well, know. a lot of people that I talked to, like my neighbors, they read it and they were they voted for her because of it. <laughs> right on. So hey, oh, you know. I don't, very briefly, some other stuff happened that was just awesome. Eminent domain. A lot of people all over the country very upset about eminent domain. And, of course, we have the tragic situation uh, down in New London. And I'm happy to report that New Hampshire's constitution, as of right now, says that a New London kind of thing can never happen in this state. It is against our constitution. That's pretty good. They cannot do eminent domain for that. They can still do it to build, like, roads and parks. They cannot do it to build shopping malls. You know, something else, uh, since you bring that up, that was a uh, that was a ballot question that was on the ballot throughout the state. So every voter had a chance to actually vote on that particular issue. And I was looking at the results, and uh, what was it, like over 80% of voters voted in favor of that? Oh, it was a huge, it was huge. Which is what I really thought was interesting, because... Um, I think it, it outlines the fact that the people around the country, obviously people around the country were sick of the Republicans. They swept them out and they voted in the Democrats. But that's only because they didn't know better. You know, they didn't know what else they could vote for. They didn't realize that there might have been a third opportunity or a third party or something else they could have voted for. So they voted for the only other thing they knew, which was the Democrats. Now, in the case of this ballot question, where there was very clearly a pro-liberty choice versus an anti-liberty choice, Overwhelmingly, here in New Hampshire, the choice was the pro-liberty choice, and I just thought that that was uh, really worth pointing out. That's excellent. Well, you know, it, it was amazing, like standing outside the polling places. You know, everyone's holding up their signs, and I, of course, I'm holding up the sign for my wife. Vote for my wife, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just chit-chatting with people standing around. There was a guy holding up the Republican gover- governor's sign, and I was asking him, "Why are you holding up the sign for that guy? You, you, you know, you're not really. I didn't really know this guy that well, but I said, you know." You know you're a libertarian, don't you? What, what are you holding up that guy's sign for? And he basically said, yeah, you know, I would vote for the libertarian, but I'm scared of wasting my vote. Uh, we've so got I, to I, figure I, out I, a way around say, that. Hey, we're going to run as Republicans and Democrats and win. That's how it's, it's going to have to work. That really is how it's going to work. And Dennis, thank you for the call, man. we got to let you go. Yeah. The uh, line's a little iffy there. Understandable. Just good enough to put on the air. 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. That's for you. You dial in with your thoughts on the election. Maybe something interesting happened where you live. And we still have yet to talk about the uh, the medical marijuana provisions around the country. 1-800-259-9231. So I, I got to say, I mean, proven now. The strategy here in the, in the free state, in New Hampshire, or the soon-to-be free state, has been proven. A new person can move in and absolutely win a state house seat. I mean, we one of the reasons why New Hampshire was chosen uh, chosen as the uh, the state selected for the Free State Project was because it has the largest citizen legislature in uh, in the entire country, and I think the third largest of the entire world. There's 400 representatives in Some this incredible state. number, yeah, right, and. 
and, I think, and small districts. So right. you can actually find your local representative. You can ride your bike to their house. Yeah, you can walk your district. If you're running for, a, for this office, you can easily walk to pretty much every house in your district. Probably you could do it more than once if you were campaigning for long enough. And so this guy moved in two and a half years later. He's on the ballot, and he wins. Now, he, won, he was in sixth place in a sixth-place race. Um, so there was other candidates below him as well, but that's that was good enough. It was good enough to get him in, and I believe he was a couple hundred votes higher than the guy that was uh, that was below him. So a solid win for a free stater running as a Democrat. Run as a Republican if you think you'll win as a Republican. Run as a Democrat if you think you'll win as a Democrat. As long as you're a pro-liberty person and you get that message out, you'll get some votes. Come to New Hampshire. Yeah, this is this is good news. There's actually good news coming out of New Hampshire and virtually nothing good to report about the rest of the states. Unless I'm missing something, in which case you're welcome to chime in at 800-259 and clue me in. Uh, 800-259-9231, that is. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. The Packet 8 toll free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want, and uh, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Archives are waiting for you. An entire year's worth of the show, we give it away at freetalklive.com. Plus, if you want to voluntarily help us out, then go and vote for the show. It's a vote that actually counts. In the case of national elections, sometimes your vote's just a drop in the bucket. But when you vote for Free Talk Live, it makes a difference, because those of you who have voted for the show are responsible for our appearance in the top ten podcasts of the world. I think we're currently ranked at number four, which, eh, we could be doing better than that if you would go and vote. At vote.freetalklive.com, it'll take you less than a minute. And the reason why it's so valuable is us being in that top ten, especially in the, the higher end of it, allows more new people surfing the internet on podcast alley to come across the show and experience the message of freedom and liberty i mean the as far as our internet listeners are concerned podcast alley is the number one way we gain new internet listeners so this is a this is a very effective vote go to vote.freetalklive.com and make a difference let's go to the phone still talking uh, about the election but as always you can bring up what you want so let's talk to eric in louisiana you're on free talk live with ian wayne and mark um, hey there, guys. Hi, Eric. Um, I actually had two things that I wanted to bring up really quick. The right. first one, the first one less important, so I'll get it over with. But I was listening to your show the other night when you were talking about uh, you were equating the bar association to a cult. Yes, that and, was uh, Mark um, Stevens from AdventuresInLegalLand.com. Yeah, I just had to say that I would personally tend to disagree with that idea that the bar association is a cult. Okay. Because, I mean, though, though you can draw a number of humorous parallels, I think that just the, the very way that the Bar Association works and its purpose is radically different from that of a cult. How's that? Well, I mean, the Bar Association is basically, um, you know, a group of people who are well-versed in law who get together to, you know, help our judiciary. And, you know, they constitute our, our lawyers and judges, people who are um, doing public service and helping people out. Uh, no, I don't think most of them are helping anybody out. Judges certainly aren't helping very many people out. They're helping people into jail into jail cells, and it is very cultish uh, in the ways that Mark pointed out. You know, it's a closed group. It's a closed kind of secret society. They won't tell you what certain things mean. You don't. If you ask them what the uh, the the black robe is for, they just sort of brush off the question. And uh, and there's secret. Uh, there, there's just stuff that you don't find out about unless you're within their cult boundaries. 
or if you look it up on like Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. So what's the black robe mean? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't looked it up, but okay. I know what a lot of the things you were talking about the other night. I did look up. So, okay. Just because I was curious. But um, anyways, the second part is actually the more important thing that I thought you guys might be interested in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of this yet. I read this in a New York Times article from back in uh, early October. And um, it tur- as it turns out, Homeland Security is giving, uh, I think it's the University of Columbia and then one other pretty prominent university, a $2.4 million grant to develop a computer program that would monitor um, news articles and like rate how favorably they uh, painted the government. Hmm. So, and it, like, to detect, um, I believe that the phrasing in this article was, like, to detect um, people who might be hostile threats to the United States, printing stuff in news articles. Yeah, I think I heard something about this. Now, obviously, with perhaps maybe the long-term intention of targeting these individuals, perhaps? Well, um, there's actually laws here in the U.S. against um, putting together, you know, profiles like that. But, um, you know, what the article said is that it would probably be used against foreign media, but, you know, it's not too hard seeing something like this being, you know, an unofficial off-the-books kind of list of, you know, the bad news articles. So. Sure. So I'm curious, Eric, are you a uh, law student? Um, I'm not a law student, actually, but I am taking I'm taking a legal history course at Loyola University here in New Orleans this mm-hmm. year. I am interested in law. So. Got it. So that would kind of explain why you called up to defend the, uh, the law system. Well, yeah. would you Would you agree that it is a monopoly, co- a coercive monopoly? Oh, definitely. Okay. Just wanted to check in. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231, the pack at 8, toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. I disagree with the term, um, the use of the term cult, unless it has something to do with a religion. Uh-huh. Um, I understand. I love Mark Stevens' articles. Which, of course, you're wrong about. The definition of cult is much wider than those uh, re- in regards to uh, to religion. Uh, you know, it's a very, very, um, it's one of... A few definitions of cult um, out there, and most people consider a cult to be of religious orientation. Mm-hmm, sure. And a popular definition is, you know, is what gives a word its meaning. Um, Mark Stevens's articles are great. I I like them, and he's a he's a fantastic writer. I just don't think that the, I I like the way it was written. It was funny. Um, it drew some great parallels. And right. Made well, people the point think, of the point of the article was to point out that this is a organization of people that has a monopoly control over law. This is a or you you cannot choose to have somebody else practice law unless they're a member of the bar association. They will be thrown in jail. They will be punished for it. And uh, if you are were a member of the bar and you've been excommunicated, then you don't have any more ability to give anybody legal advice. But you can represent yourself in court. Yes, you can. But that's it. That's it. You can't hire anybody else who isn't a member of the bar to represent you. Correct. And so it's a monopoly status, and that's what the uh, the whole point of the article was. As we go to John in New Hampshire, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello, John. Hey, John. John hey. in New Hampshire. Hey. Hey. Guys. What's on your mind, John? Good to hear Wayne over there, too. Yeah, John Indeed. helped me I move had, in. Uh, I had some news from Salem, which is, of course, a uh, right on the Massachusetts border, and uh, it... Uh, there's a myth that the people escaping Massachusetts are the ones that are changing New Hampshire up here. And here's, here's one indication, uh, a very small indication, but uh, it kind of proves that it's not true in a small way. Okay. Yesterday we had, uh, we have 13 reps here in Salem and Wyndham. Yesterday we had Now this is Salem, New Hampshire, right? I just want to make that clear because you're talking about Salem, Mass- you had mentioned Massachusetts, and I just want people to be clear. 
Yes, this is in Salem, New Hampshire. Okay. Yesterday, out of our 13 reps, four of them were New Hampshire Liberty Alliance endorsed. Okay. There were also two non-incumbents that were endorsed. Today, we have five representatives that are New Hampshire Liberty endorsed. So all four that were in made it back. The guy that got the number one slot, the, 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 the number one amount of votes, also had a NHLA rating of A. So he's one of the best legislatures. I see. For, so you're but, pointing but, out that if, if indeed the Massachusetts residents that were coming across the border were voting for bigger government, then these people would not have won. Right. I see. Well, I've actually done a little bit of work with coloring in maps, like you see the red and blue maps, and I've done that on the city and town mm -hmm. uh, level around the state a little bit, and you can see a little more conservative where, where it's natural for Massachusetts voters to have moved. But the big news was that the NHLA scorecard uh, is something that I worked with, like you've mentioned on the air. We don't have all the time to do all this homework and know all the candidates. No way. I use that as a scorecard. This is how I found two, the two non-incumbents. One I worked for two years ago. Uh, when he ran, he didn't win this time, but there's a young gal, uh, and uh, I worked mainly for the, for three of them. And, of course, DJ, the, the guy that got the A rating, he, you know, he, I had to work for him. And uh, I just spent a lot of time. I, I, I didn't tally up the hours, but I probably spent 20 or 30 hours. Uh, and, and one of the things that surprised me, just riding around, and I would see one of the signs after we had some rain and wind, and the signs were a little bit bent over. Mm -hmm. I took the time to just stop and you know, straighten the signs out, and then I ended up, putting in a bunch of hours riding around and just finding signs. And anybody that was NHLA endorsed, I would straighten their sign out. Others may have been in the same party. If they were not NHLA endorsed, Screw I them. didn't touch their signs. Straighten them up, help them out in a small way. Awesome. All you know, week long I did Sometimes that. signs um, that are on the side of the road, they get blown over by the wind or, or stepped on and like kicked into the ditch and things mm -hmm. like that. Did that happen? Well, I found quite a few in the ditch, and these are mostly on uh, along the sides of the road. On uh, I was talking about land. competitor signs, John. Huh? What were I you was... suggesting that he would do something like that? That's horrible of you I to say. I banned no signs. Politics. Other than the ones we're about that winning. To straighten up. That's and awfully dirty, Mark. John, thank you for the call. It's good to have uh, activists like you out there working hard for liberty in in the free state. That's despicable of you, Mark, to suggest that that's an appropriate uh, political campaign strategy is to go around and knock over other people's signs. You oh. know what? You want me to manage your campaign for mayor? You better, uh, you better change your attitude because if I catch you going around knocking over people's signs, then I will absolutely withdraw from uh, my, can uh, my campaign management. If they're skills. out in front of my house, they're in big trouble. Well, why not just use some spray paint? Just put a big line through them. Then it looks like it's for the other side. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean by that, Wayne? Well, if you see a sign for, like, bass, you just put a line through it and a circle around it so that it looks like it's actually for the other party. Yeah, I, I, don't, uh, I don't endorse uh, vandalism of, uh, of campaign signs because if you're, if you're talking about doing – I know you, you sound like you're joking a little bit here, but, I mean, this is pretty serious because it really sucks when you're running a campaign and people do that stuff to your campaign signs. Those things cost money, and if you're running a uh, small local campaign, you don't you, – you know, you're not getting uh, contributions from – big-time lobbyists or anything like that. You don't have a huge bank account where you can just go out and buy more signs. That's absolutely atrocious behavior on anybody's part. We don't have public funding of campaigns. No, and we shouldn't. That's Thank right. goodness. Hour number two is coming up. Still got a few things to talk about with this whole election thing. Uh, some smoking bans have been passed. That we're going to touch on. Plus, the marijuana ballot initiatives. Eh, some of them did okay. The bigger ones, not so much. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. 
Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live as we kick off our number two of the Wednesday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, and bring up what you want. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Still talking about the election and some of the results. Uh, we're still gonna, we're actually going to focus on some of the ballot measures that were across the country here in a moment, but we've got to go to the phones first because Rich in Arizona has been hanging on patiently. Rich, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hi, guys. How's hey. it going? Good, Rich. What's on your mind? Okay, first-time caller, so if I get a little confused, I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I know you guys like the smoking uh, ballot, uh, propositions, so we actually have one here in Arizona, 201, which was to ban smoking in restaurants and bars, and, of course, they passed that one. Oh, mm. gosh. What was the percentage? <clears throat> you, uh, know? you know, I really don't know. Do you remember uh, if it was overwhelming? I, it's usually overwhelming. Like in Florida when they did it a few years back, it was 70-plus percent that voted for the that, smoking ban. It wasn't that high, but they kind of tricked the voters because we also had one It was Prop 206 that would only ban smoking in restaurants. Hmm. And they would let bars decide on their own. So wait, so instead of just banning in restaurants, they've been banned in every single establishment, every single business? Uh, basically smoking bars, yeah. I, oh, so uh, it's restaurant, just restaurants bars. and bars, not all yeah. businesses? I, I'm not sure. I wasn't really that... Got uh, it. I didn't read the whole proposition. But you they don't own a business. Yeah, they had the two opposing ones, so, and I guess the decision was whichever one got passed with the most votes would pass. Hmm. So obviously, you know, really, if you were a smoker and I'm a smoker, you you should vote no against 201, which was for restaurants and bars, and you should vote yes for just the restaurants and let the bar owners make their own decisions. Well, I would vote no on all of them. Right. Well, well I did. But I mean, right. But the worst one was actually was 203. I know we all love education for the children. What's this? This is an 80-cent tax on each pack of cigarettes. Oh, no. Mm. To help educate children? Yeah. Because from, that makes from the a lot womb, of sense. Yeah. <laughs> from oh. the time they get out of the womb till they're five years old. Barry Goldwater is rolling in his grave. <clears throat> yeah. So Amazing. That well, one passed. Actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought. It was like 53, 47, I'm, I'm guessing. Still, though, I, I mean, if you look at these results from around the country... No libertarians of any sort of uh, that were running for any sort of uh, important office were actually elected. Besides, there was a couple of city council members I think that got elected. That's good news and everything. But for the most part, the libertarians bombed out as usual. Uh, the ballot measures, most of the anti-liberty ballot measures passed, except for here in New Hampshire, where both ballot measures were pro-freedom and they both passed, which I think is a is a good thing. Um, but for the rest of the country, I mean, it just keeps getting worse. And I'm hoping that maybe after this election, after people have realized that um, things are getting worse and the pro-freedom candidates didn't even make a showing, maybe that'll help recruit some new people, some new blood to the Free State Project. Maybe some people are going to finally get burnt out from where they're living and say, uh, I've had about enough of this. Let's move to, uh, to New Hampshire as part of the FSP. What do you think? Yeah, that would be nice. But... Um... What's holding you back, Rich? Yeah. Well, jobs, but uh, well, different they, things. New Hampshire is one of the great, uh, the best economies in the oh. in the Northeast, so there's plenty of work. Yeah, we've been talking about it. Excellent. Well, but, keep talking and keep seriously considering it. And thank you for the call, Rich. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the toll free number. Packet a toll free line one eight hundred two five nine. 9231. Well, there's other news about ballot measures in Nevada, for instance. We've talked quite a bit about the Nevada 
ballot measure to legalize marijuana. Now, this wasn't a uh, medical pot ballot measure. This was the real deal. A fully, uh, or at least a semi-legalization for adults. I think the, I think the, uh, the, the amount that you could have was three-fourths of an ounce or something like that, or maybe it was three ounces. Anyways, it, it was a decent amount of pot uh, for an adult consumer. And the good news about what happened in Nevada was that the ballot measure did better than it did in 2002. They had a similar ballot measure back in 2002, and back then it received approximately 39% of the vote and failed. And this year it received 40, I believe it was 44% of the vote. Yeah, 44% of the vote, and of course it failed. And Nevada, Nevada actually it's close. Yeah, not only did uh, the the marijuana ballot measure fail, but Nevada went ahead and enacted a smoking ban instead. And this particular smoking ban, of course, the casinos are exempted. Casinos that allow 21 and up guests, they don't, they're not subject to this. But the rest of workplaces in Nevada, no smoking. Smoking ban. It sounds like we're only about maybe two years away from a lot more giggling and refrigerator rating in that state. Yeah, it's not too far. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see. It, they, it's good news that they, they increased their turnout, but still, uh, it's hard for them to get those marijuana smokers out there to vote, I guess. Because you know there's a bunch of marijuana smokers in that state. If you could just motivate them. A few thousand more pots, potheads would have gone out and voted. They would have had it. Hey, man, let's go vote. Nevada passed question <laughs> six, raising the minimum wage to 615. If the employer doesn't provide health benefits, employers can still pay the federal minimum of 515 if health benefits are provided. So uh, the voters ignorantly, imp- uh, they ignorantly approved a hike in the minimum wage, which of course means that they don't know anything about economics. Not a surprise because... They don't really teach economics in in high school. They certainly don't teach you that the minimum wage is a bad thing. It's not it's not terrible news. Um, you know, I mean, the minimum wage is just Mickey Mouse economics as opposed to anything else. But uh, you know, it, it's not good. Well, there was a little bit of good news as far as some of the other marijuana ballot measures on uh, across the country: Santa Barbara, Santa Cruz, Santa Monica, and uh, Missoula County. Uh, so three California areas and one in Montana all had similar ballot measures in order to make marijuana possession the lowest law enforcement priority. In California, it won 65%, 64%, and 65% in each of the places that it was uh, up for um, for election. In Missoula County, Montana, it, it also won by not quite the same margin, but still enough to win 53%. In Montana, you know, conservative country, right? Mm-hmm. Missoula County, Montana, 53% voted for, uh, voted to make marijuana possession the lowest law enforcement priority. So a little bit of good news there. Unfortunately, in South Dakota, medical marijuana access lost 48% to 52%. Nonetheless, still a close race. 48% of the voters saying that we need to allow people to have medical marijuana access. So we're moving in the right direction. I mean, that is South Dakota, after all. Colorado's Amendment 44 to allow possession of up to one ounce of marijuana lost 40% 40% to 60%. That's still not terrible. And let's see, Albany, California, medical marijuana dispensary in the city, won 53%. And then there was a few other questions on uh, some Massachusetts ballots where seriously ill patients should be able to possess and grow marijuana. They won as well. So Massachusetts moving in a more pro-marijuana direction. Does that make um, mean that Massachusetts is the 12th state to have medical marijuana? Um, I'm not sure. It uh, appears to be certain districts in Massachusetts. It was not a statewide thing. I see. So for some reason, um, individual districts were able to vote on this, but it was not statewide. 
So, but they're still moving in the uh, moving in a positive direction. I would say overall, not too bad of a year for the medical marijuana provisions and the the, the marijuana provisions in general. So there's a little bit of good news for you. It's just a lousy plant. This is so ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And hopefully this uh, this new um, Free State Project member legislator here in uh, New Hampshire, maybe he'll introduce a marijuana legalization measure. Because forget all of this medical crap. We just need to skip over that. It's just an interim step, and everybody knows it. So why pretend like you know that's all that we care about when what we care about is getting uh, ending the war on marijuana. Better yet, ending the entire war on drugs. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. It is the Packet A toll-free line. I don't know, guys. I'm about out of election coverage here. Was there anything else, any other races that you all wanted to cover or any other ballot measures that you all thought that were important to get out there tonight? Um, You know that the uh, Montana Senate race is uh, in dispute? No, no, I'm not sure about that. The, yeah, the, the national Mon- uh, Montana Senate race. Okay. Um, apparently, they this is the only one that's still, still sort of out there as hmm. to whether who or not who's going to win or not. And um, th- this is from the Raw story, which means that it's sort of an iffy uh, news organization. But it says major media organizations, including AP and CNN, declared Democratic candidate Jim Tester the victor in Montana Senate race against Republican Conrad Burns, though Burns has not yet conceded. He'll be unable to re- um, request a recount, says the Raw story. In 2005, Montana State Code, whatever, the section concerning recounts in closer con- contended election states, a candidate for a congressional office or state district office voted in uh, more than one uh, voted in in more than one county. The legislator or the judge in the district court is defeated by a margin not seating one quarter of a percent the total votes cast for all candidates for the same position. So apparently there can't be. Um, they can't do a recount, and uh, it's going to go to the Democrat. Shouldn't have run in, a, shouldn't have run in that state, I guess. I guess. Well, hey, you take control of the airwaves. It is your show, Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, at freetalklive.com, all of the features you'll find are completely free, including the wiki. It's like the listener editable version of the Free Talk Live website, over 850 pages, created by listeners just like you. Wiki.freetalklive.com, the place to go. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1000 Pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Now then, the Free State Project's First 1000 Pledge, which is, of course, what we are just talking about, I think is really important. And it's now over the 500 signer mark, which is good news. So we're over half of the way there towards 1,000 people Signing up to say, I, I already have or will move to the free state. I already have moved because people who've already moved, they are counted as the first 1,000. So people like us, Mark. Right. Um, and you, Wayne, as yes. well. Yes. I'm signed up right underneath some guy named Manwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that uh, you showed up there. And uh, so we've already moved. And it's good that uh, the, the 500 point has been crossed. But the bad news is there's only another, well, less than two months at this point for us to make up the remaining 400-something signatures. It's not going to be easy. Um, however, I'm hoping that after this election, 
that the political burnout that inevitably, inevitably is going to happen with people, because the Libertarian Party is always recruiting new people. There's always new, for instance, young people um, that are coming across the Libertarian Party and getting excited because they've discovered the party of principle. They've discovered a, a party that is based on a very simple, understandable principle, and that is that they don't believe that uh, force should be used for political or social goals. It's not hard to get that and apply it to your life and apply it to your belief system. And so it's easy to get excited, because I know, I was excited when I found the Libertarian Party. I was excited when I was campaigning for Harry Brown back in uh, back in the year 2000. And then I was somewhat bummed out when it didn't work out. I mean, not that I expected uh, him to win. I just expected a better than less than 1% turnout. Right. I mean, that's all. I was expecting 2%. <laughs> Something, whoa, call me a dreamer, huh? Uh, anyway, so it kind of bums you out a little bit, and that's political burnout. And and the definition essentially is you've worked so hard, you've uh, you've been out there on the on the campaign trail, you've been out getting petitions signed for uh, for political candidates, and when it all comes to a head, it's time for the election. It's a letdown. And so I understand how a lot of people out there are feeling right now, and myself included. Well, sometimes it ha- well, you're not even really an activist, Mark. You're no. just a talk show host. I just wanted to see him win. Right. I was voting for my team. Like, you know, you sit at a football stadium and you go, rah, rah. Yep. So, so, I mean, you're sort of burnt out, but can you imagine what it would be like to have put in hours? Remember John we talked to Mm -hmm. from New Hampshire last hour saying he put in hours for these local candidates? Now, his local candidates actually won, so he's probably feeling good. But if you put in hours for a candidate like a Michael Badnarik or like another libertarian candidate. That's got to be tough. where, Where all you get is 2%. Or four percent in the case of his race, where there was over four hundred thousand dollars being spent. It's it is tough, especially the longer you keep going. You know, for me, when um in the year two thousand, Harry Brown bombed out. I didn't give up. I thought, well, we need to redouble our efforts. You know, we need to work harder and smarter, and and we'll do better next time. Well, we didn't do better next time, and the time after that, and this time we're still not doing better. And so eventually, even the hardcore long-term activists, they can only go for so long right. before they uh, before they just, just say, screw it. I'll well, just... Well, was Harry Brown allowed in the debates? No. No. And pub- the public didn't know who he was. Of he was just some not. name on the ballot they didn't know about. Well, it name recognition is everything. It absolutely is. And, and there's understandable reasons why libertarians aren't winning. Absolutely. But it doesn't negate the fact that political burnout happens. And it's easy to get burned out. And so I wrote something up at Hammer of Truth, which their site's down right now, but I had posted it earlier, essentially saying, look, don't get burned out, uh, because that's the worst thing that can that can happen to you. Because then you're going to be completely ineffective. If you're not doing anything, if you give up on um, making a difference, if you give up on the fight for liberty, then all you are is just another couch potato. And if you're if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of your local libertarian dismal results like happened all around the country again this year, then I suggest you channel your anger and channel your disappointment away from burning out and dropping out and somehow channel that energy into maybe joining the Free State Project, signing the first 1,000 pledge, or better yet, if you aren't um, ready to take those sorts of steps, maybe you should come up to the Liberty Forum in February and sort of explore uh, the Free State Project movement. Meet some of the people in person, the people that are really here on the ground making a difference in the one state that actually, in my opinion, has a chance at regaining some liberty. I I don't think that it's that big of t- To me, it doesn't seem like that big of a commitment. I made the uh, commitment what, to moving? be... moving? Absolutely. 
I made the commitment. It was big for you. You wanted to go home, you little baby. Well, I did want to go home because I didn't like it here. But um, now the, here's the reason, though. Um, the reason is is because I made the commitment. Um, I made a commitment to join the Free State Project, mm-hmm. and my commitment was to move up here within five years after they reach twenty thousand. Yeah. Now the Free State Project is already doing things in New Hampshire. It's correct. There's. Several, you know, many things have happened here, including uh, you know they forced all the real ID thing. The problem with they, the, um, the right. smoking ban, they, they put, did all kinds of stuff. Wait, wait, wait a second. Okay. Let me finish. Um, I did that with uh, two houses, two cars, uh, pet. Um, you know, I mean, a I, lot of strings. A lot of strings. A, a, a great paying job in, in Sarasota, Florida, and I did that. I made that commitment very easy, relatively easily because I knew that if there was a libertarian place, I would want to live there, and. Five years after 20,000 was reached, it would be a libertarian place. Currently, New Hampshire needs a you know needs some work in order to be a libertarian Absolutely. place. And the people that are the 400 and something um, people that are here now that that have joined the Free State Project and moved already, they're they've gotten started on making it a libertarian place. Yeah, they've started to lay the groundwork. There's I had no intention of being that um, when right. I when I got signed up, and um, but you know. For me, it was relatively easy because I knew that if there was a libertarian state, I would want to be in that state. I think that um, – and Wayne, I'd like to have you chime in on this here in a moment. But I think that the Free State Project, the founders, uh, Jason Sorens, the people that came up with the idea originally, I think they've pretty much admitted at this point that they were wrong <clears throat> They were wrong about a few things. You know, For instance, the 20,000 number, Jason Sorens has ever, since come back and said actually 12,000 would be more than enough. Well, especially so, for New Hampshire. Yeah, for New Hampshire. Especially if everybody's very active. Right. And he didn't re- – also, yeah, there's another factor because he didn't realize when he was writing his ideas down for what this movement was to become, he thought it was going to be – when he thought of 20,000 activists, he was thinking like 20,000 people that would go out and vote and maybe talk to somebody. But as it turns out, the Free State Project is attracting super activists – the Free State Project is attracting the cream of the crop, the best of the best as far as libertarian, liberty-minded activists. And he, did, he really didn't expect that to happen. So therefore, if you can actually get activists like have been moving in, 2,000 would do the trick. But nonetheless, the, far, the Free State Project was formed and the rules were set. And so we can't go back and change those rules necessarily, which is why, we're sort of, which is why they're sort of adding in these new concepts like the first 1,000 pledge to where... Okay, let's move sooner rather than later, because it's going to take a little while to get to 20,000 signers. We're still just above 7,000, and, I mean, we're talking about years out, whereas there is a difference being made right now by the people within the state. This is why the first 1,000 pledge is so important, and I hope that more people will give it serious consideration as they experience the inevitable political burnout from this election's dismal results. For libertarians. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Your show, you bring up what you want. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free packet 8 line. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All of the features you'll find are completely free, including updates. You get signed up, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something to know about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com to get signed up for free, of course. That's updates.freetalklive.com. So we were talking about the first 1,000 pledge. I'm going to get into these calls here in a moment. But first, I said, Wayne, I wanted you to have a chance to chime in on this one, considering that 
Mark and I, we've been here for just over two months, but I believe you've been here for a solid two years at this point, right? It's going on two years. Now, why were you one of the earliest movers? I mean, why did you choose to come here so soon compared to some of the other people that are out there still waiting and trying to figure out how they can get here or when they're going to be able to get here? What inspired you to make the move sooner rather than later? Well, part of it was timing with my family, and the other part of it was that I was watching the Free State Project for a long time and decided that that was the right time to do it. Everything just, all the, all the planets lined up for us, hmm. and it was a good time to come up. And I'm, I'm a native New Englander anyway. I've lived in many other states, and it was time to come home. Did you encounter any resistance from the wife, for instance? Not at all. Oh, good. She, she, loves, it. she loves it up here. Because I know there are a number of people whose significant other they are attempting to sort of persuade into uh, getting them to come to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Perhaps they are the less political of the the couple, and I know that you had mentioned to me off the air that your wife was a little less than political, and so I didn't know if that was a factor for you, but that's good. Well, I was able to sell it to my wife on the uh, the clean air and, and that aspect of, mm. of New Hampshire. It is very clean up here. It's very just a beautiful place. In fact, my only regret is I didn't come sooner. And I couldn't have. I mean, just, just like you said, certain things take time. you got to get... you got to. Tie up your loose ends as much as you possibly can before you move. But, man, I don't think you'll regret it. It's a big step, but they have an airport here, so you can get can get back if you have to. And it's uh, it, the, the economy is good, uh, no taxes. Well, that's not true. There's taxes. As Mark was pointing out last night, uh, New Hampshire does have its share of taxes and fees. They like to call them fees here in New Hampshire. And, obviously, we've got some work. We have our work cut out for us as far as getting rid of those things. Well, when I say uh, taxes, sir. I mean I mean sales tax and right. income tax. If you buy a car, there's no sales tax. That saves you a lot. Yeah, but there's a, a transfer fee. It's a destination no, charge or something. Something right? like that. Well, all the dealers charge that in every state, though. Hmm. hmm. The destination charge. I don't know. I've every... heard that they aren't in Vermont. And that's why some uh, car dealerships are located across the border in Vermont. Yeah, it seems they, it seems odd to me uh, if you take Route 9 or whatever it is um, here just across the Vermont border to uh, Brattleboro, there's a dealer uh, just across the bridge. You would think that if New Hampshire was cheaper to buy cars in, that it would be uh, on the New Hampshire side rather than the uh, the Vermont side. But uh, the, the Vermontsies apparently uh, might be a little cheaper to buy a car there. I don't know. Eh, we don't know. We haven't done the research. But nonetheless, a lot of things need to be changed, and we could certainly use your help. So head over to freestateproject.org, get interactive there, and learn more about it. Let's go to the phones. To the fun, Mark in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, Wayne and Mark. Hey, uh, hey you, what's up? Hey. Well, you were talking about, you know, nobody votes independent. And what I keep seeing on the mainstream media is what do they keep telling us? If you don't vote Democrat, if you don't vote Republican, you're throwing your vote away. And people believe it. I don't think if you vote your conscience, you're throwing your vote away. I don't think so either. You're voting for what you believe in. If you're voting for the lesser of two evils, then you're voting for evil, and you don't believe in that, now do you? No, exactly. And if you consider that about half the people who are eligible to vote don't even vote, and you got them to come out and vote for somebody they actually believed in that where they weren't apathetic anymore, then you could make a difference. Something could happen. <laughs> right. Uh, now, that's, of course, the tricky part, Wayne, is somehow motivating you know, the, uh, the masses out there, the ones that just sit back and just don't pay any attention to politics because they know it's a rigged game. They know the Republicans and Democrats are two sides of the same coin. I think a lot of people, whether they've studied the issue closely or not, I think a lot of people are just inherently aware that, why bother? Why bother with the Republicans and Democrats? And so they stay home. My thought was uh, yesterday, uh, I'm, I'm just going to vote against whoever's in Congress. 
You know, <laughs> they, 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 they voted for the Patriot Act. They voted for that new, you know, uh, what Mil- is it? Military Commissions Act. That, you know, mm-hmm. it's like these people took an oath to uphold and defend their Constitution, and they have trashed it. You know, so yep. if you're in office, I vote you out of office. That's yeah. always a good rule of thumb. I mean, if, you, if you're walking in blind to an election and there's an, an incumbent and somebody who's challenging the incumbent, if you're just totally blind, good rule of thumb to vote for uh, the challenger. Yes, sir. And then as soon as they get into office, make sure you go see them, write them letters, and, and <laughs> stay on and top stay of them. On them. <laughs> well, which is another um, benefit to uh, New Hampshire, as a matter of fact, because you can pick up your phone here in New Hampshire, call the, your local representative or state um, senator, and they will answer their phone. Like, you themselves? can go to the, What's that? Themselves? Yeah, yeah. If it's not them, it's their kid or their wife or something like that, or uh, husband. Well, Because their phone goes right into their home office. A, There's no pl- a state, plush government offices for these people. A state representative in New Hampshire is one of 400-something people. And what do it, they get paid? And, you know, uh, I think $200? No, $100 a year for the state reps and 200 for the state senators, yep. I believe. And um, among those people, I mean, 400-something for the state. It's only a half a million people in the state, so they, they represent like 3,000 people apiece. There you go. Mark, any other thoughts? No, except for... You know, I'd go to New Hampshire if they didn't have winter up there. I can't uh, do winter. That's why I well, live in Florida. <laughs> I figure eventually we'll have an underground city for people like you. Thanks for the call, man. And, hey, and by the way, that excuse doesn't work with me because both you and I, Mark, are Florida natives. We are. We're a little sensitive when it comes to this whole cold thing. It's cold. I've got to admit the weather's not as good here. But if I can have a libertarian paradise, a paradise where I can be free, mm-hmm. I'm willing to put up with the weather. Better to be cold and free than uh, in chains on the beach, as far as I'm concerned. You it's, know, only, it's only part of the year anyway. The summer's beautiful. The spring's beautiful. The fall is nice. Oh, the fall has been great so far. You know, when I look at the weather and it says, uh, when I, I, I just I looked outside yesterday and I'm like, I, I told my wife, well, it's nice outside. She said, yeah, it's only 40. It was 40 degrees. If it was 40 degrees in, in Florida, Florida I, you'd, I'd have died out I'd have been there. hibernating in Florida in 40 degrees. Yeah. I, it would have been a, the governor would have declared a state of emergency. I mean, which, <laughs> governor which I Bush. Think, which I think goes to point out that um, people adjust. And I think it's important to Oh, I don't think that. I'm adjusting. I think it's just 40 degrees here. It doesn't feel as cold as 40 degrees in well, Florida. You can, say you, a little while. you can say you don't think you're adjusting. But odds are good that you are. In fact, there was a guy that moved from Florida uh, up here. I think he lives in Massachusetts at the moment, but he's on his way to New Hampshire. His name's John. And he was telling me that he, you know, once you get through that first winter, you pretty much have the adjustment phase, and you're, you're going to do much better for the second winter. And now it's like, you know, no problem for him. He's been up here for a long time. It's no big deal anymore. And he was a Florida native as well. So if we can do it. You can do it. Let's go to the phones and talk to George in D.C. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Wayne, and Mark. Hey, it's up, guys. Hey, George, you're on the amplifier line. What's on your mind? Well, basically, uh, looks like I might have a recount here in Virginia because it, um, but it's so close, but it looks like um, Allen might be unseated. And I decided this is the first time I got to vote as a libertarian full principle, which means I didn't vote for neither because choosing between a racist and a sexist, and neither of them be pro freedom. That's not in a really good choice. Guess, guess what I wrote in for um, Senate? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Did you leave it blank or write it in? What'd you write in? Uh, Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Better <laughs> <laughs> senator. <laughs> anyway, you guys say Mickey Mouse. I'm like, nah. Darth Vader's far more popular. I mean, he probably choked the other senators anyway. <laughs> that would be and, nice. Uh, I'd, I'd actually, uh, I'd like that. We could send Darth yeah, Vader exactly. to uh, Washington D.C. Just use the death ray on those people. Turn on the yeah, tractor beam. 
Luke Skywalker. <laughs> exactly that. And I wrote my own name for the House of Representatives because I wanted to be in the House. Remember that? <laughs> a few months back, I tried to get in. So when are you? what you got to ask yourself, George, is when are you finally going to get out of the clutches of the TSA or transfer up to Manchester or something like that? Well, I'm trying to build up some leads so I could probably get a transfer up to Manchester and work work from the inside, you know, help out there. That'd be great. And yeah, but I need I need a lot I need a lot more leave now now than I do because um the air, you know the boss at the airports whatever airport I'll be transferring at mm-hmm. looks at that and be like to see whether or not I'm gonna call out sick a lot or not and I've, I had to call out sick for a week now. You mean the government bureauc- bureaucracy actually cares about that sort of thing? I'm shocked, yeah, George. I was surprised as hell for, uh, about that, you know? Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it as always. You take control of the airwaves and pack at 8 toll free line, 1 800 259 9231. That's 800 259 9231. We've got unelection based news, like some stories about the FCC cracking down in the radio world and profanity as well. This is your show. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Experience the site for free. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their website. We give it all away, but we do ask that you voluntarily support us. By becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, as over 300 of our listeners have decided to do. Now, it's totally voluntary, meaning that you are choosing to send us three bucks a month. That's all we're asking for with the AMP program. And the point is, stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The point is, we take in your three bucks, and we turn it around into advertising, marketing, and promoting Free Talk Live, thereby getting the show on more stations around the country and spreading the message of freedom and liberty. So if it's important to you, go to amp.freetalklive.com. If you just want to support the show that you like, amp.freetalklive.com as we go to the phones to the fun dj in illinois you're on free talk live with ian wayne and mark hello hey dj what's on your mind well uh there were a couple of referendums on the ballot yesterday that i wanted to bring up okay is this local Uh, or uh, the whole state of illinois these were these were local referendums in cook county which is chicago and some of the suburbs okay um and they were very democratic leaning in their wording um now they were they were what they call non-binding, or what, are, what do they call them, advisory referendums. So they basically don't count, um, but they were there anyway. So they're there to advise to... the county commission that you want to do something? Is that the point I, of it? I guess so. I, I see. The rule I, of the I, people. Think, I, I personally think they're more kind of advertising, you know, mm. for, for what they're trying to do, to try to get support, you know, the public support for okay. these things. And, um, well, anyway, the, the wording of the first one uh, was uh, particularly troublesome to me. And I have it in front of me. I'll quote it. Uh, For the health and safety of children and the entire community, you know it's bad when it starts off with that. <laughs> yep. For the health the and children. safety of, of children and the entire community, shall the state of Illinois enact a comprehensive ban on the manufacture, sale, delivery, and possession of military-style assault weapons, and 50 caliber rifles. Hmm. Now, of course, it's for the health and safety of the children and the entire community, so why wouldn't you vote yes? Well, why, I would like to know what the definition of a military-style assault weapon is. Well, exactly. That's, that's part of the, Well, they're saying 50 caliber rifles, but still, they're not defining... Right, they're not exactly yeah. defining what assault weapons are. That'll come but later. Passed, yeah. 
in, in they, they divide up the votes, the vote totals by uh, Chicago and the suburban areas. So there's two different election uh, boards. Mm -hmm. So in, I'm looking at the websites uh, for these election boards at the results. In Chicago, it passed 90 to 10 percent. Wow, that's and huge. And in suburban, and in suburban Chicago, it it uh, it passed 85 to 15 percent. Okay. Which is even more of a surprise because there are a lot more Republicans in the suburbs. Right, but it's for the children. Yeah, well, Republicans children, love and children for, too. And, and the entire community. Oh God! Don't forget the don't forget the entire community. Well, now, now the I, other two were yeah. The the other two were troubling as well. The one was uh, for the to raise the minimum wage. Oh boy! From six fifty to seven fifty, I think it's a, it's a statewide minimum wage. Again, these these are statewide issues. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were only on the the ballots for Cook County, I guess. I don't understand. It's a it's not, if it's a referendum that doesn't count, yeah. why are they putting it on the ballot? Exactly. I, I don't know. That, are you sure about that? Probably. Yeah, they're advisory referendums. Huh. They're non-binding. So it's just essentially it's essentially to give the um, the representative sort of a I guess an ear to the ground as far as what the people uh, think, the, what the voters uh, want, something like and that. And then they're yeah. supposed the to go the ahead. Wage and, one. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's just just to advise the county board, you know, what what the people are thinking, or you know, something like that. Right, maybe advise I mean, the legislatures that way they can go and uh, create new laws and do these. Right, things. right, because actually, I guess these were these referendums were sponsored by the county board, although they're really issues that the state legislature mm -hmm. has to pass. Well, Illinois has and, not been a friendly state for firearms. I mean, just in general, no, it hasn't. it's one of the least friendly states. Chicago's got even more restrictions than the rest of the state, oh, yeah. but the state in general, not so great. Right, right, right. And the, the minimum wage one, by the way, passed 90% to 10% as well. Gosh. And the uh, the third one was do you, something like, do you support a uh, rapid and immediate withdrawal from, of troops from Iraq. Oh, well, that, that was actually that, that one I actually voted for, and that one passed uh, eighty to twenty percent. Hmm. Now that one really in, truly in is advisory because yeah, this, they right, you know right. Illinois has nothing yeah, to do with where the, the troops are placed. Sure, it's it more seems of a funny to me. It seems funny to me that uh, you know these advisory votes. Um, what kind of sense does that make? I mean, the people. It's it it makes more sense to me when the people make a decision for everybody, like a democratic choice, than the legislature doing it. Um, why don't they just right. let the people vote it in? Because Illinois is bass backwards, is why it's just a messed up place. Yeah, yeah. but but do we want ninety percent of the people deciding to to ban guns? No, of course not. Uh, I, I, I don't know, no, but I mean, <laughs> at that point, I would right, take it. Right, but it should still be left to the people. Yeah, I, I agree. I, right I agree now, now, I would take that as an advisory. To get the hell out of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, man. Yeah, we appreciate yeah, it, DJ. Appreciate it, man. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Let's talk to Jack in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Jack, you're on with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, how's it going? Good, Jack. What's on your mind? Well, here in Montana, we still get to have firearms. In fact, we can go down to the local show and grab ourselves a big old Barrett 50 and have a good day. Yeah, we still get them here in New Hampshire. In fact, we can carry them openly. Can you do that there? Excellent. So what's on your mind? Yeah, well, you can't drink with a beer in your hand anymore. Or you can't drive with a beer in your hand anymore. No. No, you can't. It's a not damn even shame. on the highways or nothing. Yeah, didn't they reinstitute speed limits there, too? Yeah. Ah, man. Losing your freedoms, man. What's on your mind? Well, I just want to let you know that we had a lot of libertarian and constitutionalist candidates on our ballot. Mm -hmm. And I'd say about 70% of the uh, people being elected 
uh, you know, for various house seats and all that kind of stuff. Uh, had uh, had a conststitutionalist or uh, or libertarian candidate. Wait, wait, so you're saying in 70% of they the, the races, ballot. there was somebody else to vote for, but of course none of them actually won, right? Nobody won. <laughs> none of them won. But they, uh, like Flathead County, took a lot of votes for a fellow by the name of Stan Jones. And uh, probably... Wasn't uh, he the Libertarian the Senate senatorial candidate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's the guy who poisoned himself or with silver. Oh, it's that guy? He turned That's himself blue or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guy was, uh, in case you hadn't heard about this, there was a libertarian candidate who had taken so much colloidal silver that he turned his skin blue. Hmm. That's a shame. Yeah, not good. <laughs> Got to be careful with those uh, uh, questionable health remedies. Uh, they call him True Blue Stan, but actually gets stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Stan. He probably got more coverage as a result of it. It probably helped his campaign. Yeah, I, that was a couple years back. But in any case, I, I think that the... Uh, Republican Conrad Burns probably lost because of the amount of votes that were going to libertarians, and I see that as a good thing. Is that and why? Why I, is that? Well, uh, because now the Republicans have to look at it and say, "Geez, we got all the conservatives and all the uh, constitutionalists and the people who want freedom voted for their guy, and we lost because we weren't for freedom." Yeah, that's so a good point. Modify their their own agenda a bit. And you know what? That is why voting for what you believe in is so important. Because if you take what you believe in, and you vote for a libertarian or vote for somebody else that uh, that echoes your beliefs, then the um, the people that are the Republicans and the Democrats are going to look at that and say, "Hey, those those libertarians, they're gaining in the polls. They they must be doing something right, and we're doing something wrong. And maybe they'll get it through their thick skulls eventually that they need to start going in a more pro freedom direction. Um, but yet, if people continue to vote for Republicans and Democrats, they'll never get that message, will they?" And even 5% is significant. If one of those parties can grab that 5% away from the libertarians by being more pro-freedom, that's what they'd want in the long run, don't you think? Exactly, which is the the, uh, the tactic the socialists took. The Socialist Party never actually won any elections um, back in the 20s and the 30s when they were running in a lot of races, but they influenced the other parties to lean in a more socialist direction, which is, of course, what we would like to do uh, with the libertarian movement. Jack, any other thoughts? Nope. Just Thanks. have a good day. Thanks Thank for the call, much. man. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Let's go to Matthew in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Gentlemen. Hey, Matthew. What's on your mind? How are you doing? What's uh, up? Just calling. This is, I've been a member of the LP, the Libertarian Party, since 95. Hmm. And um, never have I seen such a despicable, uh, dreary ballot. Um in my voting days in, as a libertarian. Really? And, um, there was one libertarian on the ballot in an office I've never heard of, <laughs> and I can't even remember what it's called right now, hmm. um, and there's only the one pro, uh, slightly pro-freedom uh, question was uh, question one, and uh, that got stomped into submission like a... Uh, I'm not familiar uh, with it. What What is it, in essence, it was, was it? It question one about the... Um, uh, about the wine uh, sales oh, oh, yeah. grocery stores. Oh, we'll have to uh, recap that when we come back. If you'll is. hang on, we'll bring you back here in Hour 3. 800-259-9231 allows you to take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. Now, Matthew mentioned that he's been involved with the Libertarian Party for over a decade at this point, since uh, 1995. And I wonder if he, is, uh, if he has ever suffered any political burnout. More coming back. You take control of the airwaves. Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, hour number three. We're kicking it off Wednesday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All of the features you will find are totally free there. That, again, is freetalklive.com. As we return to the phones, to the fun, let's go back to Matthew in Massachusetts. Matthew, you're back on the air with Ian Wayne Mark on Free Talk Live. Now, Matthew, you'd mentioned that you were a member of the uh, – you've been involved with the Libertarian Party since 1995. And I want to get into whether or not you've actually experienced what I was talking about earlier in the show tonight, and that's political burnout. But first, you were going to explain to us a little bit more about this question number one that was on the ballot in the state of Massachusetts, something about wine sales. What, what was all that about? Yes, wine sales. Uh, whether it's uh, whether it be okay for grocery stores to sell wine, you know, just wine. And uh, I thought it was wine and I, beer. No, it was just wine. Hmm. Holy crap! Do they do they already sell beer or no? No, no. Huh. it's just wine. Wow, wow. <laughs> and 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 the, uh, the the cartel. I'm sorry, the group of um, <laughs> uh, package stores that uh, are. Um, were that got together and the uh convinced the um educated public of Massachusetts to defeat this uh was using the um uh excuse that uh something involving oh we're going now we're going to be adding another uh level of availability to uh children yes yeah, the kids right dragging oh, out geez. the kids and um uh you know and this is going to just Cause chaos. Well, they also um, they brought up the specter of organized crime. What? I, I heard one of these commercials, and and it was just amazing to me. Um, well, what? I don't I don't know if it'll have anything to do with organized crime, but I don't want to find out. Was like something like a quote that was in the uh, the idea that grocery stores could sell wine has something to do with organized crime. What, what else could they a stretch? Well, it, it's a stretch that grocery stores can't sell wine. Yeah. So they had to stretch in order to keep it the way it was. That's crazy. What was the turnout on that, Matthew? It was it was big and it was uh, soundly defeated. I mean, it was a I can't I don't know what the I I saw the numbers I can't remember what they were but they were it was big and um, uh, and another and, you know as, as usual not a single uh, bit of discussion on this topic had anything to do with whether or not uh, grocery stores should just be able to sell whatever they want. It nothing it had nothing to do with that. Even the even the people that were pro uh, question one it was. Uh, Oh well, I think people, you know, consumers should have a uh, should have more options. That's where that's all they went with it. Yep, it was yeah. completely. It was uh, it please, was pathetic. And, please, mommy government, please let us buy wine from grocery stores. Allow us the the, the slight freedom to to purchase the products that we we desire. Yeah, it, it was just it was it was really. I mean, this is just another example, and the fact that there is no libertarians on the ballot. Um, what happened with them? For, I mean, for one, that's what I was wondering. What happened with the Massachusetts LP? Did they fall off the planet? I don't uh, know. Not a, not a, uh, con- not a Congress uh, uh, representative, not a um, senator, or any anybody uh, on the ballot at maybe all. Maybe the uh, maybe the exodus has already begun to New Hampshire. Yes, I think uh, so. I, I sure hope so. What are I you love, waiting for anyway? Um, well, I'm waiting for jobs and things like that, man. Oh, okay. jobs. There's jobs up here. McDonald's is no, hiring. No, 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 no. Uh, believe me, I'm looking. Don't even, uh, 
but um, we're being a little anyway. unfair. We brought our jobs with us. Yeah. You know, yeah, what do yeah. you do? <laughs> he gets right, insurance. Uh, thanks for the call, night. man. We appreciate it. Oh, you know what? Shoot, I didn't get to ask him about burning out. Oh well, what can you do? Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So uh, let's talk about the FCC because. I think we've pretty much covered all of the bases on this this whole election thing, though if you feel like we've missed something or there's something you want to cover, uh, don't hesitate to chime in. But there's been, uh, there's, there's been a ruling by the Federal Communications Commission. According to UPI, they have ruled that profanities can be used in news interviews, but not on award shows or in fictional shows. Hold on. They can be used in news interviews, but not on award shows or fictional shows. That's correct. Award shows is where it usually happens. Right. But yeah. the, the agency reversed its finding in March that CBS's The Early Show was indecent when a Survivor contestant used the word BSer in an interview to describe a rival. Obviously, he said the full version of that yeah. word. Uh, the Los Angeles Times reported the commission upheld a finding that profanities used by winners and presenters in the 2003 Billboard Music Awards on Fox were indeed indecent. Hollywood continues to argue that they should be able to say the F-word on television whenever they want, said Chairman Kevin Martin. The commission again disagrees. No, you can only say the F-word where we determine that it's appropriate, apparently, according to the FCC. They also reversed an indecency finding for language used on NYPD uh, NYPD Blue on the technical grounds that the complaint was made by someone not living in the broadcast area. So... How did that happen? If the person was not living in the broadcast area, how could they possibly have complained about NYPD? The American Television Council or whatever they are. The PT, was it the PTA, Parents Television Association or something like that? No, PTC, Parents Television Council is what it is. This is the organization that's responsible for over 98% of the complaints that are sent to the FCC. They've got a form on their website. They've got a large email list. And they just, when they see something offensive... They send out an email to their email list saying, come to our website and fill out this form and complain to the FCC about a show you never watched and a segment you certainly weren't aware of until we informed you about it. My virgin ears. Yeah. Uh, it's just, of course, well, they that. still are because most of these people didn't hear it. Now, what's with the inconsistency here? I mean, now, isn't there still a lawsuit? I believe there is still a lawsuit uh, in play between CBS, ABC, Fox, NBC versus the FCC. Um, in regards to this whole indecency ruling, because isn't it a little inconsistent to say that, well, it's not indecent if it's a news interview, but it is indecent if it's somebody randomly spouting profanity at an award ceremony. Either way, that doesn't make any sense to me. When you're talking about live television, stuff like this is going to happen. Right. Either way, it's somebody who's in the heat of the moment. They've used a profanity for whatever reason to uh, to pepper up their uh, their vocabulary and why is the circumstance somehow a factor here? It's yeah. just very strange. It sure. does, the circumstance seems so strange. Very inconsistent. It is indeed. Now, Wayne, you've actually got some FCC-related news as well. What else is going on with these guys? Well, there was a story about the FCC. Uh, they had an informal hearing recently on October 27th uh, on media consolidation. And it was um, basically informal because only two of the five commissioners were present. Uh, both Democrats. Hmm. And so it wasn't an official hearing, but it was designed to talk about media consolidation and how a lot of micro-radio stations are being uh, shut down or pushed out of different markets. Really? And, and, and lo- what defines a micro? I guess it's a local um, station that uh, basically broadcasts uh, to the local market rather than the national market. 
Okay. Um, now, is it is it based on wattage of the station, or do you know that? No, I don't. Okay. I, it doesn't say on this article. But well, they I, use the term micro in this article. Yeah, I yes, thought micros were like less than a watt. Micros are typically um, typically stations that are broadcasting at a legal wattage which means a fraction of a watt, essentially milliwatts. Mm-hmm. Um, those are typically what are defined uh, as micros. Anything above the legal wattage is considered a pirate station. At least that's how I understand it. I'm not sure how this particular article is referring to it as, but what is, you know, what's their concern there? I've heard that there's some sort of a, I guess, a public hearing phase going on with the FCC about media consolidation, the, the rules that they changed in the 1990s, which allowed the clear channels and allowed the, you know, the big companies to sort of acquire a bunch of mom-and-pop stations. Is that what they're looking at here? Yes, and, and from the article, it, it says that the FCC is considering rule changes that would make it even easier for media conglomerates. Easier? To own, yes, even easier for them to <laughs> basically take over uh, many markets. Uh, even over and above the 1996 law. Goodness. I don't see how much easier they could make it. Um, we came from a market where Clear Channel... Six stations. Six out of, what, nine stations in the market? Something like that. And um, Are you not counting the uh, the AMs? Uh, no. Um, are are you counting... What are you counting as uh, an I don't FM? Know, like a, there's a... Do the religious station... Does the religious station count? Well, I guess you're right. There is a religious station that runs at a commercial... Um, on, on a commercial... Uh, dial position, so I suppose you could count that one, but they don't take... But for know. the most part, they dominate the uh, the market. They absolutely do. So we're talking about loosening the restrictions on these uh, these media companies so they can buy even more um, more signals in a given market? Yes, and there's concern that, that they can basically uh, shut down certain artists who might not they might not agree with politically as well. This is all bad. And look, I'm all I'm fine with a company buying radio stations. The problem is the FCC. And I'd like to get into the potential solution to this problem coming up here. There's only one solution, because the FCC is strangling the life out of the broadcast business. We'll get back to it. It is your show. You take control. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, one 800 Two five nine ninety two ninety two thirty one. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features you'll find are completely free, including live streams. There's a broadband version of the show awaiting you, as well as a dial-up version. Both of them free. freetalklive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd to 25th of 2007. Meet libertarian superstars John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to get signed up and learn more. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. As we return to the FCC conversation we're having here, Wayne uh, pointing out that there's apparently the FCC is conducting some sort of hearings on whether or not they should rewrite the media consolidation rules as far as should they make it more restrictive or less restrictive on these companies, these media conglomerates like Clear Channel that own thousands of radio stations around the country. Um, Should they be able to own more in any given market? Because right now I don't know what the exact rule is, but there's a certain percentage that any given company can own. Of all of the stations in one market... Is it 50? 49% or something like that. Okay. So there's a certain percentage that they can own, and we're talking about possibly increasing that number, Wayne? Yes, uh, there are people on both sides of that. Now, this article is mostly by somebody, I think, who's pro-limiting uh, the number of, of 
uh, media outlets that a, a company can own in a given area. Well, mm-hmm. I understand why they feel that way. Um, I I don't want uh, Clear Channel to own the airwaves either. But um, by you know by using the club of government to get what you want, you're always going to pay the price, and that's what's happening. That's what's going to happen here. Right. Well, I'm looking at the same article here, and it's and here's what they want. The people writing the article. They think that uh, limits on media ownership in a single market would help spread media ownership throughout a community. But if indeed it's if indeed the people own the airwaves as a commons, something I think is a myth these days. Um, of course, it's ludicrous to suggest that anybody can own the airwaves. Um, it can be homesteaded to an extent, but I mean the. <laughs> These waves are coming through your house whether or not you like it or not, and you don't own the waves just because they're going through your house. I think it's kind of it's going to be hard to suggest that anybody can own the airwaves. How you can suggest that the people can own it or the government can own it, I don't know. It's confusing to me. But nonetheless, uh, he says these stations, um, if, if indeed it's, uh, the government has put down the literal and figurative, it, the government has to put down the literal and figurative guns it points at microbroadcasters. The government needs to expand the low-power FM program to the bounds of technical feasibility rather than greatly limit it to accommodate the anti-competitive wishes of the National Association of Broadcasters and NPR. And this backs up what uh, my point here is going to back up what you're saying, Mark, is that these people are calling for different rules, um, just rules that would appease them as opposed to rules that are going to appease Clear Channel and the other media companies out there. And I'm so sorry. It just it deteriorates into a uh-huh, nuh-uh yeah, fight. Us versus know? them. And I'm sorry, they've got more money than you do. Um, the companies have way more money, way more clout, uh, way more persuasive ability with the FCC commissioners than do a group of loosely organized micro-broadcasters out there. Now, I'm all for um, people being able to broadcast what they want, which is why the solution isn't to beg the FCC to change the rules to allow more low-power FM stations on the, on the air. The solution is to abolish the FCC entirely. Get rid of it. Now, I understand if you're a radio general manager listening to the show right now, you're recoiling in fear from the idea that well, anybody could start their radio, their own radio station at that point, and that's a scary idea for the people that are already in the business. They like the the fact that the FCC artificially limits the supply in the marketplace because it's anti-competitive. I mean, they've got only a certain number of stations out there to deal with, and they know the FCC isn't really too keen on adding new stations, so odds are good that nobody new is going to pop up. But unfortunately, what these general managers and these people that have been in the radio business for so long don't realize is that they're signing their own death warrant by endorsing the FCC's control over the radio industry. You know why the radio industry's um sucking right now, basically, as far as nobody really wants to listen to music radio CDs. Um CDs took iPods. a hit. When CDs came out and got popular in the nineties, they definitely took uh, some some listeners off the airwaves. iPods. iPods are taking younger people off the airwaves right now as we speak. Satellite radio. Satellite radio's uh sucking off the people that don't mind spending a few bucks. That's because the programming is so much better on satellite radio because that's competition for you. Well, yeah, it, they are competing. Uh, I don't it's know. It's very niche. Um, right. So you can you can listen to programming that's aimed at uh, you know housewives and and all. Oprah has her own show. Just stuff that's extraordinarily niche um, niche sort of uh, marketing. But you know, in smaller communities, there are a choice of I don't know three four stations sometimes, mm-hmm. especially if you're out in the middle of nowhere. What is the, um, two stations? 
what's the point of that? Why is there all this unused bandwidth? I mean, why can't I put up a tower in my backyard that goes up 75 feet or something like that and broadcast at 100 watts? Well, well, because you might uh, interfere with the existing station. No, I wouldn't. I would pick a different band. But what if you wanted to interfere with the existing station? Well, then you could take me to court. That's what I was talking about earlier with the the homesteading idea. I mean, it's hard to own the airwaves, but you can certainly say, I was here first. You know, and I was here first broadcasting at this wattage, which covers this particular area, according to this engineering study that we had done. So if you want to go outside of that area and broadcast on the same wattage, as long as you aren't really overlapping the, the fringes of our signal too much, that would be okay. Mm-hmm. The rules would have co- would come about with an arbitration process or with a court process. I don't think we need the FCC. I don't think we need them for anything. And as I pointed out, these um, radio radio station executives have essentially suffered a bout of Stockholm Syndrome. They have fallen in love with their captors. They don't realize, or maybe they do, and they just are okay with it because uh, they want to protect themselves from competition, but maybe I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they don't realize that the FCC is nothing more than an armed gang of thugs enforcing their way on radio broadcasters and, by proxy, the listeners as well. And as a result of these FCC rules and regulations... The industry is having a really hard time competing with the much less regulated internet radio, satellite radio, iPods, CDs, all of the other media alternatives that didn't exist in the 1930s when radio came about. And, you know, that's when radio was hot, the hot new tech. Yeah. Well, now new tech is out there slowly jabbing radio with a hot poker and just bleeding it to death. I mean, there's nothing radio can do when it's under the purview of the FCC. It cannot react to the market stimuli. It cannot react to listener demand as quickly as it might be able to if there was no burdensome bureaucracy overriding it. And the FCC is regulation, and what does regulation do but drive up the price? Thank you, yes. If it wasn't for the, what, $75,000 that, um, you know, it costs to get uh, a license, not to mention that. Is that what it is? I think it's 75 grand. See, I never went that far. When I was looking into starting a station, I just saw the initial application fees, which are four or five thousand bucks. Oh, my gosh. You can't afford this if you're a, you know, a small group. If you're just somebody that wants to put something on the air, I had a friend who bought a radio station in the, Ari- the Phoenix, Arizona area for mm-hmm. fifty-two thousand dollars. He sold it for one hundred and twenty million ten years later. Holy crap! Well, don't forget that it's not just the um, application fee, but you have to have lawyers and engineers and all that stuff. I, I imagine it costs a quarter million dollars to get a, a radio station up and running. And who do you think pays for that? The advertisers. Well, right, in the form of increased ad rates in order to recoup the costs. But the other factor is limited supply, which also, combined with high demand, increases the cost of these stations. We'll explore more on the way. Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, toll-free number 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All of the features you'll find are totally free, including the listener map. Over 1,700 of our listeners from around the world have added themselves to it, and you can too. Or just surf around and see who's there listening to the show at map.freetalklive.com. That, again, is map.freetalklive.com. Talking about the state of the industry. 
the main industry that we participate in, the radio industry. Because first and foremost, while we do the show live, this is a radio show. It then is turned into a podcast and is available um, on the Internet for downloading purposes. A but, very successful podcast. Yes, as a matter of fact. And we also stream live simultaneously and as well. Unfortunately, podcasting, not regulated by the government. Thank goodness. Yay. Which is why, thank you for bringing that up. Which is why, if you go to podcastalley.com, where we're listed, we're currently the number four podcast there, thanks to those of you that have voted for us, which is why there are over 25,000 podcasts in existence. Because none of those podcasters had to ask permission from any bureaucracy to get in front of a microphone and record a show. Right. I mean, why should they? What a wonderful way to circumvent the system. Well, the Internet is a brilliant way uh, to circumvent the uh, the FCC, and unfortunately for broadcasters, the Internet's only going to continue to expand and grow in its reach. Uh, we're looking at WiMAX coming soon to a car near you, to where you're Can going... Can you imagine? I mean, at that point, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of radio stations that you'll be able to uh, get on right. your car radio. Uh, Ten years' time? Satellite radio is going to be nothing. Radio radio is going to be nothing. Well, no, Everybody's no, no, no. Have... Satellite, satellite radio isn't going to be nothing, and terrestrial radio could still survive as well. There's different factors involved here. Satellite radio is probably going to turn into a talent pool more than anything else, at least from what the way it's looking. They're sort of gathering talent like Opie and Anthony and Howard Stern, and they're sort of owning this talent, essentially, and now satellite radio is actually syndicating out some of its talent, like Opie and Anthony went to satellite radio, but now they're back on AM and FM, they're back on FM stations. But the satellite um, company is getting... XM is profiting. Is getting profits from that. Right. So what you're going to see is they're just going to expand their internet operations and uh, really have a lot of money to push their internet streams into the WiMAX. Yeah, but, and and you were going to say that local, that radio stations get, can still be the local source of news. But I would um, venture to say that when it's, um, when it costs so much money to be on a radio station, a, a, a quarter million dollars mm-hmm. just to, to initial investment, and then you have to have staff and all that other stuff, that when, a, when I can start my own radio station on the Internet, do a little bit of advertising, right. and then um, you know your car, you can tune me in. So all you have to do is type in marklocal.com mm-hmm. and uh, tune in my radio station, and you can have local news, you can have local sports, you can have local anything that I want to provide. That's true. That's going to be tough for uh, for existing because uh, broadcasters. There's um, there's as many internet um, addresses on the you know there's as many addresses on the internet as there are letters and numbers. Luckily for um, radio broadcasters, luckily for AM and FM stations, they've got a history and they've been around. The technology has been around for a long time, for decades upon decades, and that counts for a lot. It does. Um, there's more radios in anybody's given purview than there are television sets in general. Or computers or anything else. Um, right. So it's there. It's penetrated. It's 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 pretty much maximum penetrated at this point. Now the new tech is chinking off the armor, basically, right. at this point. And so it's not too late for them to, to survive this attack, which is coming, and it's building. But the only way that radio is really going to be able to compete and really going to be able to survive is to get rid of the FCC. Now, something I wanted to focus on, which people don't really know about the business is the reason why radio is starting to kind of suck, especially music radio. Talk radio is going to have a much longer life than music radio is, for the reasons we pointed out last week on the air. 
in that uh, talk radio is going to splinter off. There's going to be different brands of talk radio. There's going to be more subgenres of talk radio. It's going to move to FM. It's already started to happen. There was a station in uh, a 5,000 watt AM station in Dayton, Ohio, that recently flipped one of their. Uh, the company had a few stations in the area. They flipped one of their FM stations, a 50,000 watt station, to talk radio. So it's simulcasting their AM talk station, which means that now news talk is going to be reaching a much younger audience because young people just don't go to the AM band. They just don't. I mean, young people stay on FM, and that's just how it is. Women stay on FM, and that's how it is. There's some that venture over. There's always going to be some that will explore AM. But for the most part, you're going to start seeing more talk coming to uh, to the FM band, which is good because it's going to help radio stay alive. But one of the reasons why talk, uh, why music radio is having such a tough time in radio in general is because if you own a station in a market where you know there's other stations around, um, but they're all owned by somebody else, obviously, and you want to sell your station, well, the FCC has made uh, sellers, they put them in a pretty good position because... There's probably demand for a new radio station to be uh, to be built, but the FCC says no to most new stations. There's a, usually there's a period where they don't you even can say no. They just make it so hard to put in for one that before they even say no to you. That right. Well, the, the the window has to be open. You can't yeah. like right now. If we said, well, we want to build a new station here in Keene and sent that off to the FCC, they would say, sorry, we're not accepting applications at this moment. But we will oh, take okay. your money. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. They might just tell you you no. just can't apply right. at that point. So they're restricting the uh, the supply of radio stations, which means when you go to sell, you can get a much higher price because you're the only person probably selling in town at that general at that uh, in that time frame. Since nobody can build a new station, then you're going to have to pay that price if you want to actually get a station in that area. So therefore, these stations are being sold for higher and higher prices. And when you're buying in to an existing facility. You're getting probably a facility that's got some problems. I mean, it's a building. Buildings get old. You're probably inheriting a bunch of problems, and it's going to cost a lot of money. And as you pointed out before, that's all got to get passed along to the advertisers in forms of higher rates. And the only way to keep your bottom line low is to cut back on staff, is to cut back on the you know expendable assets. You're going to have to – that's why you're hearing radio stations with jocks that sound like they recorded the uh, – their shifts five days ago because they did because they probably did your local uh, your local music stations listen to the weekend sometimes and see how inaccurate the weather broadcasts are and all kinds right. there's just all it's kinds the, of sloppiness it's the protection of the radio industry that the fcc has provided is what's going to kill it off in the long precisely. run precisely now here's the, here's the thing is because um because there's little competition in the market radio stations are able to run 10 12 commercials an hour mm-hmm. and who wants to hear them Really, we don't. Nope. We, the listener, do not want to hear those commercials. Um, I mean, we probably put up with one or two or three commercials an hour, but we don't want to put up with 12. That's but one of we, the selling points of satellite. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Sure. And the fact that if there was more competition in the market, it would drive down the c- amount of commercials because one radio station sure. would say, we play 12, we play 10, we play 8, we yep. play 6. And it on it on down it would go but instead there's a, there's a limited number of radio stations in a given market and that's one of the problems but the question that's looming in people's mind Ian is what about the seven dirty words oh gosh what about them well that's what the fcc is there for it's to make sure that we don't hear that's F- not S- the original the reason C's. for the fcc it's not the original reason but it's the reason that everyone goes to <laughs> um well i think uh, 
we've pointed this out before. I think of course, the we've market, pointed it all out. Before. The marketplace would uh, would handle this in that when you're dealing with a radio station, there are several groups of people you're looking to make happy. You're looking to make your advertisers happy mm-hmm. by giving them results so they continue to advertise on your station. Right. You're looking to make your listeners happy so they continue to listen and hopefully visit your advertisers and buy mm-hmm. some stuff from them. So you want to make your advertisers happy, your listeners happy, and in some cases your staff as well. Staff. You want to make them right. happy as well. Um, if you're cursing up a storm on the airwaves and you're living in a community where that's something that's generally considered unacceptable, um, your advertisers are going to drop off the air. Because they're going to start getting complaints from the listeners. Right. And if your jock doesn't get his butt in line and start, you know, adjusting his vocabulary, he's going to get canned because he's putting your station's bottom line on the line. And, you know, I mean, obviously Howard Stern existed and um, jocks like Howard Stern have have existed. Um, the reason that they're not on now is probably more to do with the FCC's crackdown. Um, but... You know, there would probably be some people on that got on the air and said F, S, and whatever. Yeah. Well, turn them off. Right. And don't um, don't shop with their advertisers. Exactly. It's simple how, how you can handle it. I mean, obviously, Mildred, who normally listens to the uh, standard station, isn't going to turn on Howard Stern in the morning sure. so she can be shocked. Yeah. Maybe she likes to hear that stuff. Right. Maybe because she wants to hear about some boobs on the air. Well, even if they aren't using F and S in those words, they're still talking about adult topics. You shouldn't. If you don't want your kids listening to that stuff, you turn it off. More coming up. You take control. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, and this is the Wednesday edition. Still enough time for your call if you make it now. 1-800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features you'll find are completely free. We do ask, though, that you voluntarily support us. If you like the fact that we give away the website for free, by buying some stuff. Like at the store, store store.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live t-shirts, Free Talk Live hats, and uh, classic archives on DVD collector sets and more. You'll find all that at store.freetalklive.com. And for anything else that you might need to purchase in life, you should go to amazon.freetalklive.com. Because anything you buy... If you shop through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, we get a percentage of it. Uh, so head on over there, shop in their 35 categories of products, check out, and you'll find that most of the products there are free Super Saver shipping, which is a hell of a deal on its own. Not to mention they've got great prices to begin with. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com helps FreeTalkLive out, and you get the stuff that you want. I think we're pretty much. Uh, I think we pretty much covered all of the bases on this FCC thing and how it is that I loved how you put it, Mark. The organization that they believe, the radio stations, believe is protecting them is actually slowly strangling them to death. Well, and, and the reason is is that they, um, they're scared now of the FCC and it, it's going – because of Janet's boob, we're all we – can't, we can't say any kind of um, titillating stuff on the air anymore. Mm-hmm. Things changed after that, and they really did. I mean, that's why Stern's on satellite now is because things changed. Mm-hmm. So – um, now, Clear Channel has a policy of, well, if you think that it might be uh, across the line... When in doubt, leave it out. Just don't say it. Yep. That's it. So what's happening? People are getting... Um, the, the content is becoming narrowed. When you narrow the content, you exclude people um, that would rather hear something else, and they're going to go elsewhere to get it. So you're cutting out listeners. This is what this is what's going to drag them down. The radio industry executives are going to be scared of this suggestion, but by getting rid of the FCC, that is the only hope 
that radio has to survive long into the future. It's going to live for a while anyway. I mean, it's just because it's got um, quite a ways to go before it totally peters out. And, um, and strong stations are still going to be strong stations in sure, a given market. Sure. And, I, I mean, I still love radio, and there's still going to be a lot of people that do love radio. But for radio to really thrive in this competitive new media marketplace... Ending the regulations of the FCC is the only way to go about it. That way somebody new can pop up and put a station on the air so long as they aren't interfering with existing stations. And again, the courts can easily determine these things. Then they should be allowed to because it brings new blood into the market. It allows new niches of music. It allows new um, new talent to get on the air and get developed. This is another problem with the radio business. Because they've consolidated so much, because costs are so high, artificially inflated, as we explained by the FCC, they're not uh, cultivating new talent. They, they just can't afford to. And so the, the talent pool is drying up as well. I mean, it's a dismal situation. And uh, I'm sorry, radio executives, but you're going to have to let go of the FCC and actually compete for the first time in radio history. Because that's what will happen. It will be an unprecedented level of competition for this business if we got rid of the FCC. Because any number of people could get on the airwaves as long as there's an open channel. Anybody can get on and, and do something. And I mean, the costs are going to go down. And look at this. Station um, sale prices are going to go down. Look at um, the Internet for a great example. There's no regulation on the amount of websites on the Internet. Right. Do you see everybody running off to um, timecube.com? Well, actually, Timecube is an anomaly because it's, yeah. uh, it's so bad that it's funny. But um, no. The vast majority of people get on and they check their email, they go to Amazon, they go to uh, eBay, yeah. they go to one of 50 sites. Sure. And that's on the internet. Um, on a radio dial, you would still have strong stations that broadcast great content. Of course. That had enough money to pay for the best jocks and all that other stuff, and that's where people would go. And you'd have, you know, um, stations that were on again, off again. You never know whether they were on. Yeah. You never knew they were off. Some guy getting on there who was talks about <laughs> this yeah. and plays all his favorite songs. Yeah, good luck you know. to him selling ads. Yeah, I right. mean, he, he's going he's gonna to be able to broadcast because he's going to finance his 10-watt uh, FM himself, and, and he doesn't have much of a life. And sometimes he'll get his friends on there, and they'll make farting noises or whatever it is that they right. do, but they're not going to sell ads. Exactly. And they won't be invaded by armed uh, troops. Mm. And that's, that's yeah. another factor as well. It's, it's just not good to have this armed gang of thugs around. They're just hurting the business. And I hope the radio industry wakes up someday and uh, gets it through their heads and tells the FCC to flip off and go away. Well, because if they would, then they wouldn't have any power over them anymore. Uh, Wayne's making a great point. Is the FCC, when they, um, to enforce their rule over radio, if you put up a pirate signal... They'll bust into your house at with 6, guns. A, 6 a.m. with guns drawn. I think there's like 50 uh, FCC agents that are licensed to carry. Uh -huh, yeah. And they do. And oh, they, and they bring the FBI along. And according to this article, after they've done that, they label you a bad broadcaster, and it prohibits you from getting a license later on. So, yeah, I believe that, too. Uh, well, anyway, so the only solution for radio to remain competitive in the marketplace is to actually allow them to operate in the marketplace in the free marketplace because they are so controlled and so restricted right now as these other entities satellite internet the other people out there competing for listenership as they can just roll with the punches change their technology change their programming do what they need to do to retain listenership and grow listenership radio is just kind of crawling along at this sort of slow pace just trying to keep up 
just trying to keep the bills paid. Get over the FCC and get rid of them. You know, Ian, this is a classic example of political entrepreneurship versus market entrepreneurship. And these uh, uh, established radio conglomerates want to use the power of government to limit competition mm-hmm. and to uh, put everybody else down. And they're, they're hurting their industry. Yep. They don't realize it. You know, and, and I hope they don't figure it out when it's too late. What's floating them at this point is the advertisers haven't figured out that people are going elsewhere, mm-hmm. or at least they're willing to pay more um, for that smaller segment, um, something like that. But can you imagine running a music station right now with everybody running around with an iPod in their hand? I mean, Good luck. I can put my 600 favorite songs on an iPod and listen to them, um, you know, That's on shuffle. That's why they're flipping music to talk, which is what they, sh- they should do in response. All right, so let's have a little bit of fun here on the way out. Plano, Texas, from The Onion. With the recent trend of wholesome snack foods reaching truly ridiculous proportions, Frito-Lay announced on Monday that it would, against its better judgment, roll out a new line of healthy fruit and vegetable-based chips next February. Here, said Frito-Lay CEO Al Carey as he disgustedly tossed a bag of the company's new Flat Earth brand snack chips under the lectern during a meeting with shareholders and members from the press. Here's some S that's made from beets. I hope you're all happy now that you have your precious beet chips with a recommended daily serving of fruit, vegetables, or whatever the hell a beet is. Mmm, dehydrated bulb things, Carey added. Sounds delicious. He appeared vis- visibly appalled as Frito-Lay well, employees... Potatoes? What are those? Dist- those not like they're any prettier than beets. <laughs> Distri- yeah, but it's healthy snacks, so you can't put any fun stuff in there. Oh. Distributed flat-earth snack samples to the audience. God help us all. Would you look at these flavors, said Carrie, gesturing toward a display showcasing the several varieties of flat-earth chips, including cauliflower crunch, raisins and chives, cranberry <laughs> spinach explosion, rutabaga yum, tofu snaps, <laughs> eggplant ecstasy, broccolaroos, and watercress. <laughs> look what you've awful. reduced to. Us too. Weren't Sun Chips healthy enough for you, you GD hippie bastards? <laughs> Carrie added. Frito Lay spokeswoman Lita, uh, Lisa Greeley, who said that the company made a commitment in 2004 to develop a healthier line of snacks, but quote never thought it would actually come to this unquote, described the flat Earth brand as tailor-made for the small vocal minority of health-conscious consumers who apparently can't just be content with salads, bananas, apples, or any of the other literally thousands of fruits and vegetables already widely available. Quote, our new veggie snacks combine the zesty tang of parsnip, the most mouth-watering... <laughs> The mouse and the most mouth-watering root vegetable out there, with the bold flavor of, let's say, jute, said Greeley before re- reluctantly bringing a turnips and radish chip to her mouth and forcing down a full bite. You can it's really a, taste the kale. It's a brand new taste sensation unlike anything you've ever experienced, unless you've ever eaten sisal twine. <laughs> According to Frito-Lay's website, the new snacks contain one-third of the fat, one-half of the calories, and one-one-thousandth of the irresistible flavor of Frito's classic line of potato and corn chips. The presence of trans fats and saturated oils is avoided by employing a cooking process, quote, strikingly similar to the method used to create particle board. Serving suggestions that will be printed on the packing, uh, packaging include definitely not adding any salt or seasoning because then you might die, dipping the chips in delicious plain yogurt, lettuce paste, or other ground-up flat-earth products, and enhancing the flavor by replacing the chip in your hand with a hot and spicy barbecue chip. In January, Frito-Lay will launch a flat-earth marketing campaign based on the slogan, Bet You Can't Even Eat One. <laughs> Surprisingly, however, the company's also in talks with distributors to ensure that flat-earth snacks are installed in every school vending machine in the country. 
Oh, they're definitely going in vending machines, Kerry said. Everyone's going to share in this misery. Not just a handful of naderites with spastic colons or loser kids with no taste buds whose parents want them to grow up to be boring milk toasts afraid to have any fun. And don't think we've forgotten you either, office workers on snack breaks and anyone who wants to serve a big bowl of disappointment at a cocktail party. All right, it's Benny in here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Responding to the market. (laughs) We'll be back uh, tomorrow night online. In the meantime, you can join us at freetalklive.com. 1-800-Flowers.com wants to remind you Thanksgiving is November the 23rd. Try the Harvest Glow centerpiece from 1-800-Flowers, either as a gift or to decorate your table this Thanksgiving. The small is $49.99, and the large is just $59.99. Call, click, or come in for fresh flowers and gourmet gifts delivered same day, any day. Use code FTL to save 10% on your next order. That's FTL for a 10% savings. 1-800-Flowers.com, your florist of choice for the holidays.